This morning, uh, if it's okay with you, uh, we're going to do something just a little bit different. Uh, so we wanted to just give an opportunity for you to get to know uh, me a little bit and as well as my wife Kayla just a little bit. I know that you see us on the screen, you probably see us walking around, um, but you may not really have gotten a chance to, to meet us. So what we're going to do is for the first uh, 15 minutes or so, we're going to kind of do a a little interview session so that you can get to know us just a little bit. And then the last 15 minutes, give or take, I'm going to uh, give like a charge or a, a little short sermon as far as that goes. Does that sound good? All right. That was a little bit better than the second service, but I, feel, I still feel like your, your uh, acceptance would have been louder if it was Bud. Um, so don't worry. I'll, I'll get there. I'll, I'll, I'll reach it. All right. So this is, this is Kayla. My chair lost a little, a little wobbly. Uh, this is Kayla. She is actually our uh, creative team uh, leader. And what the creative team does is makes all the videos, like the announcement videos, baptism videos, everything basically uh, that you see uh, in a flyer or a video form uh, comes out of, out of Kayla's brain. Uh, so uh, so that's, uh, that's what she does. And, and so if there's any of you, yeah. There's any of you creatives out there, uh, yeah, see her and she'll get you hooked up. Just a little quick shameless plug. And uh, so, uh, Kayla, first question for you, if you're willing. Uh, what led you to student ministry? And I know that you've worked with students before you met me. So uh, maybe explain a little bit of, uh, of that background and how God led you into that role. All right. Well, um, I've been doing student ministry for about 10 years, and it was about 10 years ago that God really um, planted in my heart a huge desire and passion to reach the next generation. I was in college. I just walked through a really tough season. Some really unwise choices left me very empty, very hopeless. And during that season is when God met me in a very incredibly real way. Um, I experienced him like I never had before. I experienced his grace and his hope. Um, he just planted inside of me a new hope um, that I had found in Jesus, a new joy, a new excitement for who he is. And I was driving home one day from a friend's house who was running very hard in the wrong direction. And I was very burdened for her. And um, right there in the car, it was very just... Um, vivid, distinct day that God just laid in my heart a passion and a desire to work with students. And that next week I went to the, the student ministry leaders at the time at Harvest and I was like, I got to jump in. And my heart was just burning to reach them. It was burning to connect with them. Um, and I love, I've always loved um, just talking with that age group, 6th through 12th graders. I enjoy them. I enjoy being with them and um, just talking about what's going on in their life. It's a very unique season. Um, it's a very important and huge season um, that they transition through a lot. They're learning a lot. They're making a lot of decisions that are going to impact the rest of their lives. And um, yeah, God just gave me a desire and a passion to really just share with them an outflow of what God was doing inside of me. Um, and so I love it. I'm, I'm excited um, to be doing it here at Harvest. Awesome. Uh, so for me, um, probably started around seventh grade year, went on a church retreat, youth group retreat to, uh, uh, well, I don't remember where I went, so 
I don't know why I said Tua. But anyway, we went on a winter retreat, and uh, a guy named Brian Burgess was actually leading it. And I remember as we left, he looked at me and said, well, uh, I see something different, something special in you. Uh, he said, I don't know what it is yet, but he's like, just follow God. And so I think that was like the, the kind of the first like kind of plant um, that God was using. And I, I went and uh, led a Christian group called uh, First Priority, my eighth grade year. Uh, actually, it was more, more dad wrote the lessons for those at that time. Hi, dad. Um, so he, he wrote most of my lessons and I just presented them. And then, but in high school, I, I led the first priority group as well there. Um, and so I think that's another area to where God just started molding a, a desire to, to teach. And so when I, I started out going to uh, community college and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I wanted to be a band director, wanted to follow what dad did. And, and then I kind of found out I was pretty decent at the singing thing. So I was like, well, maybe I should do like opera and be an opera singer. That'd be cool. And, and so I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I, I knew that, that God was going to show me. And so um, my youth pastor, who was a lead, lead pastor at that time, he, he texted me and said, hey, would you like to come teach a lesson? And I, I agreed. And, and so on the way there, I was just asking God, he's like, just show me if this is what you want me to do. And so what, during that time, it was just very clear that, uh, that God had given me a passage, passage, passion, not passage, passion for teenagers, um, and, and I just wanted to pour, pour into them. And it wasn't like an a, a, like automatic follow either. I wish I could say it was, but then I went to Liberty, and, and I started in vocal performance, but God doesn't really like it sometimes when you decide to do what you want to do over what he wants you to do. Uh, so a lot of my credits uh, didn't transfer over. So my already five years was going to very quickly turn into seven years uh, unless I switched over uh, to biblical studies. But my plan was to uh, get my music degree and then go to seminary, like do what I want to do, and then I'll do what God wants me to do. Uh, so that's kind of where that, that passion, that desire just was really really amped up kind of in the, in the college age, and it, and it holds true today. So, uh, so Kayla, going back to you, explain how your background, even as Bud's daughter, uh, kind of equips, uniquely equips you to lead this role today. Yes, I'm Bud's daughter, the pastor here, so I have grown up a pastor's kid. I'm a pastor's kid still, and now I'm a pastor's wife. And if I'm going to be very real with you all this morning, um, it's something that I said I would never, ever do, <laughs> was to marry a pastor. Um, and it's not because it's been bad growing up in the ministry, but it's because it came with some very unique challenges. Um, even Harvest, starting Harvest, um, when God called my dad to step out in a lot of faith and start this church, like I can see now and have seen for the past 16 years why it was so important for God that Harvest was started because he is impacting and has been moving in countless lives for many years now. It was also clear to me then that the enemy wanted to stop it and he did not want this to happen. So that came with a lot of challenges. Um, the enemy tried to wreck the families starting it in the process, but God did not have that. And so now when I look back, I see that there are challenges when you're on the front lines in ministry. But what I really see bigger is the hand of God and his provision along the way and the opportunities to grow in our faith 
And um, so that's what I'm excited about now that I am a pastor's wife and I'm thrilled about it. Um, I'm so excited to be able to um, stand with Aaron in the gap for our teenagers and um, to pray with him and for him and to constantly seek God's face to say, what's next? You know, what do you want next? Um, how do we do this? And um, it's exciting. You know, I got to see how much faith and perseverance it takes to do ministry and um, to just keep moving forward in that. And so I think through those experiences, I'm excited to get to do that and in our family and with our awesome fusion team. And, um, you know, something that Aaron and I have always been very united on, even when we were dating, we would talk about how excited we were to one day um, in marriage really strive to set an example of a godly marriage and a home that is united in the love of Jesus for our teenagers and to show them what that looks like. Some of them don't get to see that at home. You know, we learned quickly that there are a lot of students who come from some incredibly broken homes and who have to grow up and lead their home way too early. Some of them having to be financial providers for their homes. And so, um, you know, they feel like ours. <laughs> we don't have kids of our own right now, but but we love them so much and we're excited with them and for them. We, we just had one leave this week to go to Costa Rica and um, just praying for him and excited what God's gonna do in him. And, and we're, we're proud of them. We pray for them. And um, yeah, I'm thrilled to get to be here and, and do this with you all and with Aaron. Awesome. Yeah, the, uh, the path that I took was a little bit, a little bit different. Um, kind of starting in kind of the, right when I graduated high school. Uh, from the time I graduated high school to the time I finished college, I was uh, part of two church splits. Uh, I didn't cause them, but I was, I was in them. <laughs> and so, uh, so, so church kind of looked different. It, it looked like something like, I, I was pretty sure it wasn't supposed to look that, that way, uh, but I wasn't sure why it was happening. And so, uh, the second one happened about the time I was in uh, uh, sophomore year of college, so I just went on and finished my degree at Liberty, and so I just remember really struggling with what church looked like, and then uh, Liberty kind of hyped me back up again, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do. Uh, there was still no question as to what I was supposed to do as far as my calling, um, and I ended up uh, accepting a job, and I was a full-time youth pastor um, for about four years at a, at a place, and it was just very difficult. It was a very unhealthy, unhealthy situation. So it was basically in my adult life, every church example that I continually saw, and then as a pastor, every church example that I saw was, to be quite honest with you, horrible. Um, and so eventually I, I left there uh, after about four years and I worked at Chick-fil-A uh, for I guess about eight months. And I remember during that time, I just kept saying, you know, God, I know that you want me to impact uh, the lives of youth. So is that supposed to be at Chick-fil-A? Uh, where, where is that supposed to be? And I, I was very clear and I said, if you want this to be in a church, um, then please give me a healthy church. Like, don't let somewhere you don't want me to go uh, get my resume, basically. And so as I started sending them out, it was a little discouraging at first that it didn't seem like anybody was biting uh, on the resume. It was kind of like, well, maybe I'm not really good at, at it. Maybe I shouldn't be doing it anymore. I'm pretty good at this Chick-fil-A thing, so maybe that's what I should do. I like chicken. Um, <laughs> and so uh, uh, 
all of a sudden, uh, I had an interview set up with Harvest, uh, and one thing that I had asked for along with that prayer is that I would have a pastor that would mentor me uh, that would be like a friend. And so God kind of one-upped me on that request and uh, actually made him part of my family. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so just everything about my past kind of reiterated like the, the hardship of the, of the past that I've had as far as in church. I just really confirmed that, yes, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing what I love uh, because we care about uh, all, of, all of our little fusion students and all of our future little fusion students. Um, but I would just like to say one thing, and this isn't so you could walk around with your chest puffed up, but I do want to kind of brag on y'all. Uh, it, it's really awesome uh, to be in a place that is healthy, that loves God, that, that loves people that don't come here, but also still loves the people that do come here. Uh, that, is, that is unfortunately not the way every church looks. Uh, and so I just really appreciate um, you all and, and just your love for uh, carrying out the work of Christ. So with that being said, Kayla, final question. If you could say one thing to all the parents out here um, of, of teenagers and future teenagers, uh, what would it be that you would say to them this morning? Uh, first of all, I would encourage you all to partner with us um, as we seek to create environments for your teenagers um, where they can just soak in the knowledge of God and who he is um, and to, you know, make friends and circles that are going to uplift them, encourage them instead of tear them down. Um, as we open our hearts and our arms and our homes for them, then I would encourage you to do the same and to uh, encourage them to make it a priority in your home, um, to, to take part in what we do, um, to encourage them to come, to be excited with us and with them and um, pray for them. I mean, man, like I am so thankful that I, grew up with parents who were willing to get down on their knees and seek the face of Jesus on my behalf, um, because there is so very much power in that, because your hearts as parents are going to um, have desires for your kids and break for your kids in a way that no one else's will, and so take that to the feet of Jesus and pour yourself out on their behalf at his feet, because there's power in that, and he is going to move um, in their lives because of that. So pray for your kids and, and to the church as well. Pray for our students and pray for us as a, as a fusion team. We have some awesome leaders um, who work with us and who work with your teenagers. And we are so excited to see what God is doing in the ministry and um, know that we are constantly seeking God for guidance and we are seeking him for how he wants us to do this, what step he wants us to take next. So just do that with us, join us in that. And I am, like Aaron said, I'm so thrilled to be at a place that does um, encourage our students and who loves on them so very much. And so I just encourage you to keep doing that, um, to keep believing God to move in really big ways. And if we do, if we take the responsibility to stand in the gap for them and with them, um, he's going to do crazy things in their lives, and they're going to grow up to be radical lovers of Jesus who are going to lead this church, our community, our country, and I believe that we have a responsibility in praying for them and encouraging them to see that happen. So I just, yeah, partner with us um, as we strive to do that as well. Well said. Um, and also, um, 
a part of partnering with us is us partnering with you. And so one of the ways that we do that, and probably the, the easiest way that we can do that, is we have a uh, uh, Fusion Parents Facebook page um, to where you can sign on, and only, only those that are in the group can see it. You can ask questions. Um, they say, hey, this is, this is kind of what we see our teens struggling with. Maybe this would be a great, uh, a great topic to, to teach on. Or uh, sometimes, you know, apps have some, some danger sometimes. Internet has some dangers. Some updates come out. Uh, and so I try to stay on top of that, and I'll, I'll kind of put it out there and say, hey, this is, this is happening. You know, this might be something you want to address with your, with your student. Um, so it's just a way for us to kind of communicate back and forth and kind of uh, do this with you. Um, and I know uh, part of the encouraging is uh, um, I know that when I was in seventh grade and maybe even older than that, I didn't really want to go to youth. And I know that uh, some of the ways that my parents encouraged me was basically saying, tough, you're going. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, we got some Fortnite over there. If, they, if all they want to do is play Fortnite, they can do it there too. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> if you don't know what Fortnite is, you don't have a teen or you're not a gamer. So uh, anyway, so that's just a little bit about us and uh, just a little bit of about our, our passions and, and desires. So at this time, we will transition into the uh, sermon part. So uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today was a little bit of what we've already kind of been discussing uh, with you guys, but it's about discipleship. And a lot of times, uh, you'll see a, a few gifts just really pop up and bubble up uh, into people uh, that give them a, a desire to uh, fill out one of these. <laughs> when, <laughs> I'm sorry, it just made me laugh. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. You're awesome. Everybody give Larry a round of applause. I will say that was the third time we've done that, and it's the first time I hated him. So... Uh, but anyway, a lot of times you'll see people's giftings really matched up uh, to give them a just huge passion in uh, maybe in evangelism. And if, they, if you have a desire and a passion for evangelism, it's basically your goal with everybody that you meet. They're not going to meet you or, or leave your side without you knowing if they're a Christian or uh, making sure that they know about Jesus. Um, apologetics is, is one of those. That, that can maybe fall into discipleship a little bit, but... Um, apologetics. You just have this desire to, to teach people how to defend their faith. Um, and then you have missions, uh, mission work. And, and you see that in, in, in people that, that just kind of have a lot of those giftings mixed up, but their main passion uh, is to go to foreign countries, go to, go to different cities that may be in poverty and just, and just really rebuild and, and teach Christ uh, to those people. And then you have uh, discipleship. Where, where somebody just feels like they're really just passionate and gifted about teaching. And so uh, for me, I, I think that discipleship just really, uh, really kind of sticks out for me as to what I really uh, am passionate about. And I think there's a perfect place for all of them. And then combined, uh, we just create the church. Because if everybody was all about discipleship, um, then nobody would be uh, fresh birth to disciple. Um, we wouldn't be able to, to reach the same amount of people and fulfill God's, God's plan. So I was listening to Chris's sermon uh, that she did a few weeks ago, and, and she said something, and, it, and she said, who you listen to is who you follow. And then she asked you to write down, who I'm listening to is who I'm following. And when I heard that, uh, it, really, it really caught me, because a lot of times 
throughout the day, if you really think about how many voices are in your head, it's, it's almost sickening. And for most of us, you have the smart device, the smartphone, you have an iPad, you work on a computer. You literally have more information than any generation, uh, any people on earth have ever had access to. And the scary thing is, is as technology continues to advance, uh, we could hit yet another gap to where, believe it or not, we have more information available to us. So how do you figure out what's true? How do you figure out um, what God wants you to, to know? So for the most part, the answer is pretty easy, right? It's get in the Word, pray, um, and then come to church, right? So I want to talk to you a little bit about Paul and Timothy's relationship. So go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. So back in the, in the good old days, I don't know if they still do this now. The technology might be a little more advanced and they have this little scanner. I don't know. But uh, the FBI, police, and everybody used to be trained how to tell if something was a, a counterfeit dollar, not by studying counterfeit currency. What did they do? They studied the real thing. So they would be able to know so much about the actual truth that when they saw something that was false, they knew it immediately because they knew the truth so well. And so that's kind of what discipleship is. It's taking someone from really kind of not knowing much. And so that they, by the time that they leave, they know what they need to know so that they can go to, go to college, so that they can go out to the real world and not have to rely on, oh, well, this is what my dad believes. This is what my mom believes. My youth pastor believes this. My pastor believes this. And then not really know where they stand. So Paul was Timothy's mentor. Timothy was basically the disciple of Paul. Paul was teaching Timothy every single thing that he knew. So what I want to do today is I want to do two things. I want to go through a couple passages and kind of break that down real quick in the time we have remaining. And then I want to show you real quick the progression of Paul and Timothy's relationship. So if you will turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 6 and read the 16. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith of the good teaching that you have followed, having nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures, to the preaching, and to the teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. 
So what I want to do is I just want to walk down through here and do a couple key phrases. The first one is found in the very first verse. If you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths and of the faith of the good teaching that you have followed. So how do you point out stuff if you don't know it? So you have to be nourished, right? Anybody had some good nourishment this morning? Good breakfast, got some pancakes. So last night, Kayla and I got nourished really well. Okay, so we're about to start this, uh, this like clean eating thing, and so we're going we're gonna to get ripped, and I really want to see what's under this for the first time in my life. And so like, this is the goal. We're going to do it. We're going to be healthy. And so we were like, you know what? We're feeling some Chinese. So we went to a Chinese buffet, and uh, yeah, I nourished. Uh, I mean, it, it went down there. Um, I don't know if it was the smartest thing to do the day before I had to preach three services, but I did it. And uh, so, see, a lot of times uh, we, we treat Jesus like, like he's a diet, right? We got a little bit of, of broccoli, a little bit of, you know, meat, and a little bit of, you know, like one green bean over here. And we're like, that's my Jesus right there. It's like, that's a good, I'm good for the, I'm good for the week now. I was at Sunday service and I, I'm good. But see, what we should be doing is like a daily buffet, right? You know, obviously, what would happen if I ate at the buffet at every single meal of my life, right? I'm going to be basically being rolled out of here. But see, the good thing is, is that when we eat a buffet of Jesus like three or four times a day, like we're not going to gain weight, but we're going to gain our, our spirituality and we're going to gain in our relationship with him. Am I right? So write that down. Like you want your, you want your Jesus buffet. I mean, write that on the mirror. That would be good. Every day when you wake up, I need my Jesus buffet. So that's good stuff, y'all. All right. So the next part, train yourself to be godly. Uh, physical training has some value, but godliness has value of all things. So if anybody, anybody a runner in here? Any marathon runners maybe? Cool, we got a couple runners, maybe not marathon, but that's cool. So what would happen... If you just woke up and you said, I'm going to run a marathon today. What would happen if I woke up and I said, Kayla, I'm going to run a marathon today. I'm going to do it. I'll tell you what would happen. I would make it about a mile because I'm pretty sure I can make it a mile. And I would probably walk maybe another half a mile. And then after that, I'm going to be looking for the nearest place that I can just duck out of the race and nobody would even remember I was there. So the same thing. What would happen if you were brand new to weightlifting. Any weightlifters? Yeah. All right. So what would happen if you put 300 pounds on the bar? Your first day, you've never bench pressed before. You're going to put 300 pounds on there. You get your spotter. You get it off. What's going to happen as soon as your spotter lets go? You're probably going to the hospital, right? Bad things are going to happen. So the same thing is here, it holds true to, to the biblical truths. If, if you're not training, if you're not getting your nourishment, then you have nothing to stand on. You have no, you have no pace. You have no foundation uh, to hold that. The next, <clears throat> command and teach these things. It's all going back to the same thing. Command and teach what things? Like, what if I was a soccer coach? I don't know anything about soccer. I, I know a couple things. I watched like a couple minutes of the World Cup, and it was a little entertaining. But if you put me to coach a soccer team, we will probably not win a game because I do not know what I'm doing. And so, 
Like you can't teach what you don't know. So you have to know it. That's why you need, uh, that's why you need a Paul in your life because Paul poured out uh, to Timothy. Next, don't let anyone look down on you because you were young, but set the example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And a lot of times youth pastors will use this verse and, and they'll teach it to their youth group because, yeah, you can't look down on us. We can do whatever we want. But that's not, that's not really what I'm saying to do here because I've already told you guys how awesome you are and that, that every resource that we could ever imagine you've, you've given to us. So that's not... That's not what this verse is saying. By saying, set the example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, Paul's basically saying, you know how I lived. You know everything, how I spoke, my conduct, everything about me. Set the example as I set the example to you. So church, that's our role for the students, for the children, to set the example that we know. Because like Kayla talked about, like we do have some that are that are struggling a little bit. We have some that may never see a godly, uh, godly parents in their life. So that's our role to take that job to show them how to be a good dad, to show them how to be a good mom, show them how to be a good husband or wife. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere, and then you'll save both yourself. So I want to just take these last couple minutes and I want to show you the progression that happens between Paul and Timothy's relationship. In 1 Timothy verse 1, I mean chapter 1 verse 2, Paul addresses Timothy as my true son in the faith. So he's a child. He's, he's his son. He's, he's taking him over. He's adopting his spiritual side to train him. Next, in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, it states, You know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. So Paul's saying here, you know exactly who I am. I've laid it all out on the table. Continue to grow for me. Continue to follow me as I follow Christ. And then guys, finally, all this time that Paul has been a pace setter, during this race, like Paul's been the one saying, come on, this is, this is where you need to be. Follow me here. All this time leads us to Romans chapter 16, where Paul says, Timothy, my fellow worker, my colleague, sends his greetings. So from being a son, to being a follower, to being a co-laborer. So guys, everybody in here is one or two people. Everybody in here is a Paul or a Timothy. So if you're Paul, I encourage you, find somebody that you can pour into. Find somebody that you can say, hey, I can take you to the next level if you're willing. And if you're Timothy and you're, and you're young in your walk, find you a Paul. Find somebody to pour into you. Don't stay in the same place because if you stay in the same place, what's the saying? You just go backwards. If you don't lift weights, for a month, and then all of a sudden you do a leg day, you're not gonna be able to walk for like a week because that's happening to me right now. So the same thing goes with your spiritual life. If you're not always pouring it into you, you will inevitably go backwards. So if you're a Paul, find a Timothy. And if you're a Timothy, find a Paul. The last thing I wanna do today 
is, uh, I guess everybody stand up. This might make it a little easier. We're not going to do anything weird. Don't worry. Um, if you're in sixth through 12th grade, if and you're a fusion student, maybe you're not, whatever, uh, if you'll just come down to the front, if you would. Come on, guys. Just, just face that way. You'll, you'll love it. All right. All right, now, if, if you're a leader of Kazuri Upstreet, Kid Stuff, um, or Fusion, if you would just go ahead and come down up front. Give you just a second. All right, so this is, this is what I would like for you to do. I would like for you, as a church, if you're willing to, you don't have to, uh, to come down and just lay hands on these workers and these students. Because these are either the people that we're pouring into or the people that are pouring into. Did I say that right? Yeah. So if you would, just come down. Uh, lay hands or, or just, you can do that or from your seat, whatever you want to do. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna pray. God, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. Just we thank you for the opportunity to come here and to worship. And God, just to look a little bit at, at the relationship between Paul and Timothy. God, just that growth uh, that we see in the scriptures. And God, just right now, I just, I just pray first of all for, for the students and the children of, of Harvest and those that already come and those that will come, Lord. Just uh, I just pray that you empower them, God, that you just that you just lift them up. And God, just lift up this generation just to be passionate about you, God, just to, to, to fill every ounce of them with you. And God, just I pray that when when things get hard, God, that they just don't run away, that they will, that they will just stand firm, stand strong in you, God. And Lord, just I pray also for those that that are that are currently serving in in a role here, God, just in those that will serve and those that have served that, that will just continue to pour into these students and these children's lives. God, just, I, I pray that you just give them joy, God, that you just give them just a overwhelming uh, just authority and power, God, just as they, as they lead this generation to being a generation that follows after you, Lord. Just I, I, I know that sometimes it can just be draining, but God, just the, the rewards are, are much. God, just right now, just I lift everybody up to you. God, just, just ask you to just fill them with power. And Lord, just that as we leave here, just everything that we do just brings you honor and glory. God, just I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.